You're listening to the Property Nomads podcast, your one-stop shop for property, business, and travel-related content, tying it all together to help guide you towards success. If you like the podcast, please share with others, subscribe, and leave us a review. So get your gear together and let's get going. Mental health and property. Sometimes these things mix well, sometimes they do not. But today I'm delighted to be joined by Aaron Dew, who is a property investor who specializes actually in raising finance. So we're going to touch upon that and you know, get some great information out to yourselves. And then also look at the aspects of mental health and how certain things that might have happened um, to Aaron over the course of property investing have, have helped hindered, possibly hindered or helped him progress, um, not just in property, but in life itself. So, uh, Aaron, thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome, mate. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Just to point out as well that you are the, as well as being involved in property, you do host Find Your Voice, which is a fantastic podcast. Definitely go and search for that as well. Thank you. Aaron, talking of raising finance, we'll get into that juicy bit in in a little bit, but can you give us a little bit of background uh, about yourself and what got you into property in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. Do you want the short version or should I just ramble on and then you want to cut it out? Oh, we do. We love unedited on this on this podcast. Okay, so fantastic. you you do you you be yourself. That's the most important thing. Right. Okay. Fantastic, mate. So, um, a bit of a backstory then. So, kind of got into property initially about eight years ago. Um, prior to that, I was always just a normal academic. So I went through school. Basically, I did everything my parents asked me to do. So it was go to school, get good grades, get a university degree. My university degree was in construction project management, which funnily enough, obviously is useful now, but at the time I had no idea. And the reason I actually went through that is because my best mate was actually going to uni at the time and I asked him to apply for a clearing. And uh, he goes, they've got a course called construction. Do you want to take it? I said, yeah, why not? And that's kind of where I ended up. So long story short, went through uni for five years, did a placement degree there. To be honest, I had something that I call a gift and a curse. So I had the ability to look at stuff and remember it very, very quickly. And I'm talking like like Michael Schofield level, if anyone ever watches Prison Break. So I could look at a page of A4 and after about two minutes, I'd know everything on it. So at uni, what it made me do was pass my exams very, very easily, but made me dumb because I just wasn't learning anything. So I think we talk, talked about this offline. I'm, I was always kind of lazy growing up so anyway long story short my family started fostering children and uh, my younger sister's adopted I've got three siblings who are white uh, British uh, siblings we've now taken on guardianship and as that started happening in my life it was also a point in my life where I was I was pretty lazy uh, as I explained I really had no ambition to really do anything Um, and they kind of changed my life because they, they made me feel grateful and it just changed my whole perception on you know what why am I wasting myself when these kids would want to do more yet they're through lack of whether it's a disability or attention deficit disorder or autism they're unable to do it so that kind of sparked a little bit in me and it kind of got me motivated again so then I went through a few careers I did project management in London I went for a great company again really nice job well-paying job I did a bit of boxing I really wanted to be a boxer Um, did about 18 months as, as a boxer and then long story short was there came a part in my life where I was like I need to find my purpose, I suppose, or like do something more fulfilling than just getting paid a lot of money and just getting pissed on a weekend, (laughs) to be honest with you. So long story short is I gave that up and became a social worker because I was like, I want to be the best social worker in the world to truly change lives of, you know, children who have gone through harm and stuff. 
so then that happened and then long story short again i should really stop saying that um but i had a period in my life where i went through a lot of adversity and there was about a period of about 18 months where i lost seven people and it, again it completely changed my whole perception on life and i remember sitting there and i was speaking to my cousin brother at the time who hadn't gone to university he hadn't got a degree he, he didn't from what i knew have a high paying job and we were speaking and he, and he and he said something to me that sticks to me till this day and it was that six months prior to my uncle passing away from cancer was that he was able to give up work and i was really interested in like well how did you do that and then he said property and that kind of sparked something in me and i thought property that's interesting and i had previously brought a buy to let by the way for that and that that's another story that's basically my mom trying to hone in my spending because my spending habits were getting out of control and bless her heart she was asking for money for the bills but actually saving it for a for a buy to let deposit so i took the plunge i jumped on a couple of property courses rob that's actually where i met you um in the property field and at this point now i've completely changed i've changed my whole belief system i've changed my whole work ethic and i'm literally working around the clock now to really have that choice that one day if it god forbid i ever have to sit there and i have to make a decision of giving up work to be there for my family or my friends i can do that like my cousin did so you know i've worked tirelessly i consider myself probably the the guy who makes the most mistakes in property but at the same time i'm also the guy who tries to time collapse everyone else's journeys so you'll probably see from three four years ago when i was writing posts every single one of my posts is to add value to other people and it's to give them tips i never really write about my successes that much it's always guys do not do like me do not be like me i'm actually the worst at this job this property thing because i was naive i watched a bit of homes under the hammer and i thought oh this is pretty easy so again through learning and obviously going through property you get better and um, irrespective of where you start so you know everyone sort of starts in the bottom 10 percent, and then slowly uh, my aim was to try and get to the top 10 percent, and i and i kept working on it and then i realized my speciality as you call it was always raising finance and the funny thing is a lot of the finance i raised was from people who had seen me on my journey making all these mistakes so that was that was pretty interesting and now yes as you mentioned obviously i'm into podcasting and i'm doing all weird and wonderful things on the side but it is literally a result of a uh, property and uh, the investments that i've made recently you made quite a useful um off off record as well that you actively mm. you don't enjoy property yeah absolutely yeah so i realized very very quickly that property doesn't it doesn't get me excited and um this is this year actually we're going to probably make more money than you know i'd ever thought i'd make in property and it, it hasn't changed my level of happiness and again this comes back to when i look back in retrospect that job i had in london which was paying for me to live in london all expenses paid for but i still wanted to come back and do something of service and it's always been instilled in me and, and i get this from my mom who's a very selfless person to to always give back hence my my siblings my family my desire to be a social worker and i would have probably been a social worker till this day if there wasn't so much bureaucracy and i had a bit more control so what i do know is property is a sound investment i do know it, it creates you know i think most millionaires in the world and i do understand it and i've learned it the hard way through making mistakes through losing money so I'll always respect it for what it can do for me and I'll always use it and I'll always be a property investor and I'll always be that kind of property guy. But what I am trying to do now is I've got a partner on board now who's hopefully going to take over with that side of it. And I'm just going to stick to doing the passion projects where hopefully I can make a genuine impact and a genuine 
positive influence on people's lives where I can either change their mindset or I can change their health because I've also uh, been in the health industry for about eight years or um, yeah just literally just literally make people achieve their dreams overcome their excuses and adversity and all that sort of stuff and make a social change but I'll always stick to property but yeah I don't, I don't enjoy it it doesn't get me out of bed but I think the luxury of having the time because of property keeps me going and keeps me still investing if that makes sense i'm totally with you on that and you, you mm. raise you raise a very good point because you know not that you know not to counter argue it to to an extent uh, but you see you, you mentioned there a couple of times about wanting to add value to other people and adding value is crucial no matter what walk of life we're in if we mm. can add value to other people you know that's absolutely fantastic of course mm. money's a byproduct from that even yeah. better but with all the with how your portfolio is at the moment, um, mm. do you not think that you you are adding a lot of value there because you're providing safe and secure mm. homes for people, and that surely in itself that is a very worthy cause, and that is a, a one way that you're able to add value through property. And so, I suppose what I'm trying to say is mm. having that is that in line with your values at all or mm. is it just a case of property does not excite you no matter what you're doing and how much value you can add to other people in it it's really interesting you said that actually because the wife actually said the same thing to me um the back end of last year when she could see my levels of enthusiasm and drive to do well in property were low and I, I still get that nice feeling or dopamine hit or whatever you want to call it when I'm able to help someone and give them a 30 minute call or an hour of my time or I'm able to house someone, I suppose, in a, in a beautiful home. But I can't explain it. it. It's just like, you know, when you know that you're supposed to be doing something different and you're, I don't want to sound crazy on the podcast, but I just feel like I'm meant to do more and I just don't feel property is my lane. And yes, I always do try and attach that whole thing. Okay, we're going to do this and it's going to help this family. And I've got amazing tenants, you know, I'll go above and beyond. I'm never like, I'm probably the worst at the, at the same time in terms of business rates because uh, I don't raise rents. I don't, I, I just try and make it nice for people. And I, I, that's kind of the problem that I have in business, I suppose. I leave a lot of money on the table. So yeah, I do get a bit of fulfillment from that. But I also realize in my other stuff, so the health stuff, or even the podcasting stuff, I'm able to make a more of an instant impact and on a on a more of a global scale. So yes, I can buy a buy to let or I can buy ten flats over six to nine months. But within that time, I could speak to a thousand people and share a message that will hopefully inspire them to keep going for one more day. If that makes sense. Very poignant. So uh, going back onto what you just said there, it's then you just had effectively you just had a gut feeling that mm. you, you were there to do something completely different mm. and you've just followed your gut instinct because property has allowed you the time mm. to do that because it's you know producing a decent income for you is that, is that correct absolutely yeah and um it's funny because i think passion is a funny one because we always wake up and we're thinking what is our passion and we're always trying to find our passion but i just, i genuinely believe that we could have passions that we, we don't even know about, but the problem is it's exposure and a lot of us don't get exposure to enough things. So for example, we're doing podcasting now and I can do podcasting pretty much all day. Yet being an anxious person, uh, pretty much whole, most of my life, the, the point of a podcast or speaking live on a, on a show, for example, would absolutely scare me. But it was only until I exposed myself to it that I truly realized, wait a minute, this is incredible. But again, 
it goes back to the whole point that I will get a random message from the most random person in the world saying I've just listened to this and it's completely helped my life in this way and that again is like that's what keeps me going I suppose there is nothing better in the world than receiving a message like that from mm. someone anyone uh, that, that to say hey I've listened to this or I've read that and you know you've you've helped change my life mm. that is I suppose we're going down you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs and you know self-actualization at the top that that is probably one of the most fulfilling self-actualization things I think anyone can experience in their life absolutely 100% agree there mate mm. in terms of say moving from property and mm-hmm. to what you're doing now but actually let's let's reel ourselves back mm-hmm. you're all very good at raising finance so raising finance a, a lot of people go into property don't they and have they have this perception of do i need the deals first mm. do i need the finance first mm. or, or people get concerned about raising the finance because it's a big weight on their shoulders and you know do the numbers work and yeah but it's a family member and what if it goes wrong you know all of these things mm. typical questions happen mm. so, how, so how have you found the experience of raising finance and again if you're able to share how much you've raised and so mm. you know I'm not going to say techniques, but, you know, key points for people that are listening to this that need to raise finance. You know, give them some pointers about how they would go and do that. Absolutely. I, th- I think the very, very short answer is be yourself. But if I elaborate on that. So when I first went into the property journey, I was offered probably about £70,000, which again was a hell of a lot of money for me three years ago. Straight away from from the cuff, I was just talking about it to my friends and they said we'll invest with you now one of the things i always say to people is is literally to be yourself and i I feel like and i don't want to make this like a rant or come across as a sort of (laughs) a negative person but i feel that everyone's trying to be the person they feel that they need to be in order to raise money rather than just be themselves for example you could be somebody who actually you are somebody who likes trains for example I am somebody who genuinely loves people. By the way, this isn't to say that you don't like people. For example, however, you might think that you need to portray yourself as somebody who likes people. So what you'll do is you'll start going on Facebook Live, you'll start writing posts about how you love people, taking selfies with people, X, Y, and Z. Yet really, that's not necessarily you. Whereas I'm the actual person who loves people, I talk about it, X, Y, and Z. Anyway, cutting to the chase, what will happen there is, Yes, you might get an odd investor interested because you're saying the right things or the things that you think they need to hear. But what I would always tell people is, why don't you just be yourself and say, listen, this is me. I like trains. I like this. Because what you're going to do is get the train lovers who may have a hell of a lot of wealth and a lot of money saving, a lot of savings in their bank come to you who wouldn't touch me with a barge pole because they're like, this guy's boring. We don't even like people ourselves. In fact, we prefer trains. So hopefully that makes a little bit of sense there. But it is literally about authenticity i think integrity is important so a lot of my investments have come from people who have known me since i was like 10 years old so they've seen me grow up i've had my neighbor just recently give me two hundred thousand pounds it's in my limited company with my partner that was just like a random raise of finance again he's seen me grow up and they also see the person that i am behind closed doors be exactly 100 percent the person that i am on social media so i'm not going on social media all of a sudden like I'm going to work and then I'm putting on a show for the rest of the world to see hey look at me and again that kind of comes down to sharing my vulnerabilities when I first started I was literally telling people do not copy me I mean I didn't realize that was actually a technique and some people kind of see it as a technique now I was literally just trying to say guys here's 10 things don't do it you'll save yourself money again it comes down to 
the service that I've always tried to do in property is to time collapse people's journeys. I get a level of fulfillment and happiness if if it took me 18 months, for example, to become financially free. If somebody can do that in three months, then my job is well done. So I'd always say be yourself. I would definitely share your lows as much as your highs. A lot of, a lot of the posts I see are just keys being dangled about and it's, hey, I'm making £10,000 X, Y and Z. And listen, that's fantastic. But generally speaking, most people don't give a shit. Most people want to know how did you do it or what should I not do? And I think that's where we're missing it. And what we're, what we're actually trying to do, well, what a lot of people are doing is they're putting posts up for themselves rather than for other people. And I think if you could put posts up for other people and give them value, going back to one of, one of your key things, i.e. giving value, I think that will make raising finance very, very easy. And uh, just to finish on that, in terms of how much we raised, Again, it changes. So you'll get certain people who will say, look, I've got this much money. They'll show you proof of funds. But then if an opportunity doesn't arise or if I'm not at that stage where I feel I can use that money, that will pass. But up until the last six months, we've raised about a million pounds and we're just on our latest purchase, which is £550,000 or JV financed. Um, we've went for a block of six flats with the 200,000. Um, that fell through. So we're only buying the one. That's the story for another day. And we've just done... Uh, nine, 92 uh, planning uplift in Mansfield again 86,000 pounds of that was all JV finance raised and at the back end of last year I, I put about 100,000 pounds into a nine bed HMO in Peterborough so the money's never been the issue for me it's it's more me trying to get myself excited for the whole property side of it um, and obviously having the skill set and the confidence to know actually I can do something with their money. So I would definitely say to people, if you are in a fortunate position like myself where people will just hand you money because they full wholeheartedly trust you, make sure your skill set matches that. So I turned down my initial investments at the beginning. I turned down a lot of them for I think it was about 15 months until I made my mistakes and I made my money back. So I made a, lo a loss on my first one of my first flips but then I made all that profit back straight after from the lessons that I'd learned and then after that I started becoming profitable and that's when I was like okay I understand the game now let me use your money so hopefully that adds uh, <laughs> value well it's great to know purely because it is a, such a common thing when people start getting involved in in property and they start to like learn the ropes and if they don't come from a position where you know they've got x amount of thousands of pounds or whatever it is sat in the bank that they inevitably have to go and, and race finance. And then you hear all these sort of war stories, mm. you know, if, if you're desperate to raise finance mm. or if you're desperate to do anything, it can come across very easily mm. that, that you're desperate. If you go out and about and you really don't give a shit about it mm. or you act like you don't give a shit about it and you're mm. congruent with that, mm. you'll probably get more money thrown at you. It's a wonderful paradox. It's brilliant. Mm. Absolutely. I think you just hit the nail on the head there. If you act like you don't give a shit about it, like sincerely act like that, then you're not, you're not putting on a fake persona to say the right things. You're just literally being yourself. And through that, people like it. People... People always get worried and especially when they come into the property game and they think, oh, I need to have this much experience or I need to be this or I need to be that. And again, these are all just limiting beliefs that they really need to get rid of because, they, I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. I had limiting beliefs when I first started. But yeah, act like you don't care because you shouldn't care because at the end of the day, there's so much money in the world. And sometimes we think the only money that exists is in the Facebook communities that we operate in. There's seven billion people in this world. And there's a hell of a lot of people with more money in the bank knowing, you know, not knowing what to do with it. 
So get around. I definitely recommend people telling every single person what they do. So I, I am known for my property. All my friends at football, I play three different games of football a week, all with different friends, all who have shown interest in investing with me again because they know me and my character. And I say to people, even when I go out with my dad, and his mates are there and we go for drinks. So I'll just mention it because obviously people always, it's a first conversation, how's work? Oh, work's fine. What do you do? And just tell them, I'm a property investor. Don't feel like an imposter. Just be open, be honest. Be open also with your experience. So just say, I'm just starting off. So I'm trying to pull my resources together because to make it a success in this game, you need a certain level of resources. So that could come from money. That could come from obviously the deal itself and then obviously your power team. So you need to somehow, if you don't have it yourself, acquire those resources. And again, that would just come from networking, meeting people and just being yourself. Would you agree with the statement, fake it till you make it? Or are you against that? I'm against that. Um, but again, it's, it's just my opinion. I, I, I struggle with dishonesty. And I, I, again, I, I could if I ever wrote something and released it, I, I don't think I'd ever sleep at night. So I understand the premise behind it. What I would say, however, is fake it till you make it in your head, if that makes sense. So what I would do is have a vision of what it's going to be like when I have 10 properties in my portfolio or I'm financially free or I can retire my wife. And I visualize that and I say that out loud to myself and to my close peers around me. But what I would never do is go on a property forum and say, oh, I've just raised one million pounds, for example, which a lot of people do. And they think it's a clever idea. But then what I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here. What I then say is if you're telling everyone you're easily raising money, the problem is you might not ever raise money then. Because somebody's going to think, oh, he's okay. I won't invest in that person. So just be careful what you what you put out into the universe. I always say just try and be as honest as possible. I always believe in honesty. But yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a great quote actually because from a personal level, yeah, absolutely, I have to fake it till I make it. I have to believe that I'm a person worthy of achieving the stuff that I am now achieving. We all are worthy of achieving what we want to achieve if mm. we tell ourselves. That's exactly what you've just said, mm. and that's. Yeah, that's crucial. I mean, you know, I know that if people, I'm always a firm believer that mm. if someone, you know, I joke when I go out with, um, you know, when I'm doing the network and I'm going around with, you know, a particular, particular lettings agent I could think of, we go out once, you know, go out, we go out once a month for mm -hmm. talk as friends and you know, inevitably talk a little bit of shop, don't you? It happens. But I always say to her, because she's always trying to get gossip from me, it's like, oh, Rob, what's going on? Mm. I always say to her, if you ask me the right question, Mm. I'll give you the answer that you want mm. because you're asking the right question. I, mm. I suppose what I mean by that, and it goes to the point that you raised, you just made about raising finance. I think on a personal level, I can only recall ever posting how much I've raised once. Mm. But if someone asks me directly, Oh, Rob, how much have you raised? I'll tell them. Mm. And I, I think having that level of congruency is, is really, really useful. And mm. say the underlying point, is be yourself mm, absolutely just be just be yourself trust me people will gravitate towards you you and me could stand on a stage and it could literally be split down the middle or it could be 80% in your favor 20% in my favor but you want that 20% to know you for you not me trying to be who I think they want they want me to be so yeah absolutely mate it goes with having values as well which mm. you're very good at doing so you've mm. mentioned a couple of values already but if you had what, I mean, what are your top values? How, how do you live your life? By what values do you live your life? So integrity is like massive. Uh, honesty, 
helping people, being kind, just basic, basic qualities that I think every human should just have, uh, compassion, empathy. And these, these have always been instilled in me from, um, from my parents, mainly my mom. She was, um, she's literally, I call her the mother, uh, sorry, the modern day mother Teresa in terms of if she could, and if we had enough rooms in our house, she would adopt every single kid in the world. Like she's that kind of person. So those are the values I've always been taught. And it's weird. You've just struck something like a random memory in my head. And it probably explains the whole fake it till you make it thing. So if I can just go on a quick tangent, I remember as a kid, this is very random, but I was about five or six years old and I lied about something. Now I can't remember what I lied about, but um, I remember coming home that day uh, from school and my dad had found out and basically I got in trouble and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to share all the details, but I got in trouble in that day even till now I can remember it and I think some somewhere along that line I just realized lying just was just never going to get me anywhere so um yeah obviously honesty is a part of that as well but all I will ever try and do is just be completely transparent in everything that I do so you'll see my good days you'll see my bad days whether it's on Instagram Snapchat or however I'm doing it I don't shy away from saying look I struggle in this department I'm not great in this department I don't I'm trying to get rid of ego. I'm not saying I'm ego free because I'm sure there's many things that, you know, I, I still need to work on myself. But I'm always trying to just be authentic. And if that inspires people, if it shows people that, look, this guy, he was an anxious guy. He's shy. He's had all these shortcomings or he's been through this and he can do it. Then why can't I? And that, that's basically my goal. And that resonates quite a lot. This end as well. And mm. you know, in terms of. We can go down so many avenues here. We can talk about, you know, pushing boundaries and, and so mm. forth. We'll stick with the theme of being yourself mm. because that's obviously helped you to raise seven figures of, mm. of finance, which is, by the way, that's incredibly commendable. Well done mm -hmm. for that. That really, really mm -hmm. is good to hear. I mean, being yourself is important because if I take if I take the property nomads, for example, mm. you know, Matt and Rachel are very, are very outgoing. Incredibly outgoing, two wonderful business partners, really fantastic to work with. And I'm quite introverted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like to keep myself to myself. You don't mm -hmm. see me on social media too much. Mm -hmm. It's not really my thing. I like to you know, disconnect more often than not. But mm -hmm. I, I do that on the basis that, you know, if someone did ask me a technical question about something, I'd probably have the answer to it. Because, mm -hmm. you know, the knowledge is there. Um, so, yeah, I think just, you know, knowing who you are, mm. knowing, having a set of values that mm. you could live by and company values, ours are authenticity, integrity mm. and congruency. Mm. I live my life, well, the, the company, the property nomads, you know, we have those values. They, they are our core values. They're also personal values that I have as well, because mm. if you're going to lie, people are going to find out about it at well, some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're going to you're going to at one stage. You're going to forget to play the act or you're going to forget to play the role. And I actually released a post literally on that today. Um, but you just hit a brilliant point there, mate. It's about knowing who you are. And just to add to that, it's also about knowing who you aren't. Like, I'm not sitting here and saying I'm the most confident public speaker in the world or I'm the greatest. I mean, even raising finance, you, you mentioned it's commendable. But for me, I don't feel I put any effort into it. So for me, I don't even see that as an achievement. I kind of judge achievements by stuff like, so, for example, when I just about broke even on my first flip, having had to refurb it three times and it completely drove me putty, I'm more proud of that than raising one million pounds because that took a hell of a lot of effort. It took me building resilience. It took me playing with my mind. It, I had to get over a lot of limited beliefs for that. So I w I'm more proud of that rather than just raising one million, which has just come from people saying, oh, I've got money. Can you get me a return on it? So, yeah, it's just funny how we how we see certain things. 
before we go and touch on the sort of you know more the mental health side of it, I've got to go. We've got to go down that war story. Sorry, mm. you refurbed it three times <laughs> yeah. and broke even. We love a good war story yeah. um, because it always that. brings out the best of us. So, yeah, yeah feel free, Alan, do elaborate. I mean, how has right. that happened? Give, give us everything you've got. OK, well, this is a demon in the closet that I didn't want to bring out. But for, for, your, for your listeners, I'll do it. So I watched every single episode I could find of Holmes Under the Hammer, every single one. And I was like, this is easy. New bathroom, new kitchen. So I thought, let's, let's go uh, buy a flip. So the best place, and I had my budget, I had a bit of money saved, and um, I thought, okay, I can buy something, refurb it, roughly within about 60, 70,000 pounds, and I had money saved from my previous job. So I looked at Stoke, and I went to every single auction that was on, and it was actually, I think it was my 100 or 101 viewing, uh, offer, sorry, that got accepted, and it was through an auction, I put a proxy bid in, and I got it accepted at around 40-something thousand, I, th- I think it was, I, th- I think it might have been 45. Anyway, got this end of terraced house and it looked fine. And this is how naive I was. So I'd gone to the viewing and the walls had just been painted, literally just been painted white. So I'm thinking, oh, this is fantastic. These guys have, you know, spruced it up for me. Little did I know they were hiding and concealing damp, like a whole lot of damp. So anyway, me being naive and just trusting people, thinking that, you know, you can just shake somebody's hand and a man's word is a man's word. Uh, I got a couple of builders out and funnily enough, the first thing I ever said, and guys, this is how bad I was at property, was he says, okay, mate, what do you want doing? And I said, uh, make it look nice. And he kind of looks at me as in like, like waiting for something else. I was like, yeah, you know, new kitchen, bathroom, just nice. And that was it. Like I didn't know, I didn't know what plastering was. I didn't know what skirting boards were. All I knew was new kitchen, bathroom, because that's pretty much all they talk about on Homes Under the Hammer. So this guy's obviously seen me coming and thinking I'm going to take this kid for a ride. He sent me a bill like eight and a half thousand pounds of work. Basically, I did get other people coming in and I was a bit savvier. So when the next person come in, I was using the te- terminology that this guy had told me. So they had all come in with a 13,000, 14,000, which is probably the, the real true value. This guy come in at eight and a half. So I was like, this guy, he's such a nice guy. Like he's, he's here to help me. So uh, I accepted his offer and uh, he was like four and a half grand deposit just so I can get started. Again, I, you know, I didn't know anything. I was like, yeah, of course, that sounds about right. So I sent him this four and a half grand. And then what he would do is he had, um, he had the gift of the gab. So he would ring me and I was always going to project manage it on site. And mate, this is me coming from a five year degree in project management as well. So I'd, I'd be on my way to Stoke in the morning and he'd ring me and he said, Aaron, we're ahead of schedule. Everything's fine. I'm going to send you some files in a minute, buddy. Everything's great. You might as well relax. So me being a little bit lazy, I'd think, okay, fantastic. I'll look for my next deal. So this went on for a bit and then, you know, when you just get that feeling like, hmm, I really need to see my house now because, you know, what's going on. So I, I went I went to view it and actually it was back and forth because, you know, he's making excuses. And anyway, I, I demanded to see my own house and I was like, look, I'm coming in regardless. So anyway, I went there one day. He didn't turn up. I'm looking through the windows and all it is is just rubble and rubbish in the back of the of the garden. And I've looked into the house and mate, nothing's been done. Just the same, freshly painted walls, everything. I was just like, oh my God. And at this stage, I think I'd given him like the second stage payment as well. So I was about six, seven grand in at this point. And obviously then you've got all the holding costs. So your council tax, your electric and everything. And I'm just like, oh shit. So I knocked on the neighbor's door, um, which took me like 20 minutes of courage to do that as well. And um, bless him, it was an old couple. And they were like, he hasn't been here since the first week. And I'm just like, oh my God. And I bearing in mind, this is about six, seven weeks in now. So I'd gone on a stag. 
um, just before that. It was actually my stag, and I remember releasing the second payment while I was drunk in a club, thinking, oh, don't worry about it. My guy's got my back, and he's going to sort everything out. So anyway, long story short is then I had to get another builder in. I had to obviously change the locks, get everything sorted. Got another builder in, and this guy was an alcoholic. And what he was doing was drinking on the job, and he must have broke a pipe or something in um he was doing the plumbing and stuff and i think he must have stepped on the pipe and um we he refurbed it took him ages bless him he was a one-man show i mean he was he was working pretty hard and when he stepped on that pipe obviously it's caused a leak so i've just gone in now final day i've put it on the market it's about to get sold i'm, I'm gonna make roughly about eight thousand pounds i should have made twenty two thousand pounds off it off my first flip so i'm ready to make eight thousand pounds give or take and i've just opened the door and just as i've opened the door my uncle's right behind me uh, because we were going to put some uh, staging stuff like just photos and frames and as i've opened the door mate i just hear a gush of water and it's like a scene from jumanji where i look straight ahead and straight ahead so you've got the main room it's one big like living room and then you've got the kitchen opposite and all i could see is just water coming down and i've just froze and i froze and about three seconds later i've actually pinched myself to say this can't be happening to me and my uncle's like, Aaron, turn the taps off. And I'm like, I don't even know where the taps are. So my uncle, bless him, he's running around. He's managed to turn the water off. It's completely destroyed all the kitchen. It's gone into the, the living room and uh, the bathroom, which is on the other side of the terrace, completely ruined. So I'm just sitting there like, just that's it. You know, you know, when you sit in that moment, you think this is it. This is the end for me kind of thing. I've lost all my money. I, I'd given up and my uncle, bless him, he's sweeping away. So then we have to wait to get all that sorted out. I had to get like do humidifiers and wait for it. Then I have to get a plastering guy out. I had to call this guy back in to do it. And now one of the silver linings was there was a plumber I had on the job who he got on with me and he got on with, with my mom because my mom wanted to see the property one day. And he came out and he did a job which was worth about £1,500 and he did it for free for me because he was like, I've never met a kid so naive but so nice that I feel like I can't charge you a second time. And basically, he sorted out all the plumbing and he did it free just because of the person that he saw in me. So it was a silver lining in that. But then obviously, I had to refurb it again. We finally got it sold. And with all the costs and everything, mate, literally broke even. And if you take my time out of it, I probably made a loss on it. So sorry for the long story there. Wow. <laughs> that is it well that's absolutely incredible because it's the to take a phrase out of football it's the bank's back ability yeah. from that to, to refurb it three times yeah. to then break even mm. uh, and of course if you if you as you've just alluded to take your time into consideration you, you would have mm. made a loss absolutely and then to keep going mm. because yeah. You've learned, well, and I guess that you would have learned so many different lessons from mm. that first property. I mean, that's the story. The thing, the thing that will resonate, I think, with everyone listening, is that it's it's stories like that that you know these things do happen. Mm. People do get ripped off by other people, and it's all a learning curve. Mm. But the fact that you've picked yourself up, you've dusted yourself off, mm -hmm. dried yourself out because your property was flooded, mm -hmm. and, and, you, and you've <laughs> yeah. kept going, and that's mm. that, that's that, that's testament to yourself, my friend. Mm. And I think that's something that we, we can all take heed of: is the ability to keep going when times get tough. Mm. Will yeah. will reap rewards further on down the line absolutely Th thank you thank you for the kind words but it literally is exactly what you said because if it wasn't for those lessons that i'd learned there and i missed a lot of stuff out there so there was those times i'd go to the property and people would be hanging their clothes in the washing line 
Um, like people were just openly coming into the house, windows were broken. So I had a lot more of the stuff with it. But long story short with that one is that the second property I did, I was so meticulous with the refurb, with understanding what plastering was, with understanding what architraves were, that I had refurbed the quote. I'd gotten a, uh, sorry, a spreadsheet. And on that spreadsheet, I think I had something like £15,550. I was like, I'm not spending any more than this. And when it actually came down to it, when I did the whole receipts and everything at the end of the year, it actually cost me 15000 bang on. So I was £50 off a whole refurb. And that's how I actually got good at calculating refurbs, because... Going through the refurb process three times, it teaches you to watch where your material is going to make sure that person's spending this much time on it, to see how far plaster can spread, for example, to see how much the cost of the skirting board is. And I really learned that. And I'm grateful for it, to be honest, because I made all the profit back in, in and some actually. And I've got this new property on my portfolio, but it just taught me so much um, in terms of that. And I think if I hadn't made that loss and that first guy had done it for me, I would have took this property game, not seriously. And I would have probably gone for a £150,000 house the next time rather than a £45,000 house. And actually that could have crippled my whole career. So I'm very, very grateful in hindsight that it was a cheaper property. It was something that I could bounce back from. And uh, yeah, so that it made it easy that it was £45,000. Well, we've got, to, we've all got to start, we've all got to start somewhere. And mm. as, as we know from various points of education and you know obviously it's quite useful that we live in this country mm. you know, i say that you know we live in the uk because there are going to be people that invest from outside the uk that rely on you know property sourcing agents or rely they're going to have to rely on trades because they, you know they're living in hong kong and so forth uh point of point of that being that sometimes it does take a a, a quite a negative thing i.e refurbing a property three times in mm. order for you to turn around and go actually hang on a minute you know how can i benefit from this and obviously your clear mm. benefit has been you know the cost of a refurb because mm. you've been that meticulous about it and that's you know property property business and the property industry mm. there, there are a lot of people that go in and don't take it um don't take it seriously they need you know this isn't a hobby this mm. is mm. this is business government are always changing the rules and regulations about something Mm-hmm. You know, prices are always changing. Economics can have an effect on, you know, the prices of property. You've got the 18 year property cycle. You have to treat this like a business. You can't just go in and, and, and toad it, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great advice. So with all the with all the th- things that have happened, I assume in refurbing a property three times is the worst thing that's happened to you <laughs> in, in property. Rather, is there any other stories in, in the woodwork that you um, need to know about? I mean, even my second one, again, every every property has its own challenge. So don't get thinking that, oh, if I've mastered it once, it's going to be absolutely the same scenario the next time. I mean, my second one, I still had problems. But again, this time I considered contingency. So the roof actually fell on me about two weeks before completion on, the, on my second one. I seem to have something with roofs falling down and water seeping through. And again, this this was um, the builder's fault. I think the valve on the radiator, they, had, they hadn't tightened it enough. But because I had the contingency and I had a, a step-by-step process that if something goes wrong, rather than focus on the actual problem itself, which is what I used to do, I quickly switched to what are the solutions that I can get here in. So it's, it was a simple matter of get to HSS, hire, I got, like this big blowtorch thing. I'm not even sure what the actual name is. Got dehumidifiers in. We just dried it out. It delayed it by two weeks, but it was all fine because we were ahead of schedule anyway. So everything's going to po- um, give you problems and everything's going to give you, you know, some are going to be easier than others. But just 
always try and be solution orientated if that makes sense because you one you won't overwhelm yourself and two you will find creative ways and actually it can become fun then so what i do is i play this weird game with myself where i think okay where's the next obstacle coming from so rather than get overwhelmed and think where's the next problem coming from i think where's the next obstacle coming from that i can learn from and that kind of adds a bit of excitement and at least keeps my sanity uh, in peace making the best out of a bad situation is crucial mm. And, mm. and not just in, in property in, in 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 life in general and moving swiftly on mm. going to some more personal you know topics now if that's okay absolutely with, with you with all these things that have happened on, on your property mm. you know since you've been investing have any of them had have any of them have let me re- try and get my words out properly <laughs> if everyone listening yeah should get my words out properly has anything had such a negative impact on your mental health mm. um because i mean that's that's quite a lot of shit to deal with mm. i mean I, I would probably lost my i would have probably lost the plot a couple of times myself <laughs> before picking myself off off of the ground as an individual yeah but has anything like that has such a negative you know adverse yeah. effect on on your health and relationships you've had with other people stuff like that yeah um i'm glad you asked that actually because i think I've stopped posting as much online uh, recently, but the last two or three posts, I'm trying to link mental health with property. And I don't mean mental health in terms of depression, how many of us know it. I mean, just generally mental health uh, in terms of like the sanity or the negativity or just how we're feeling. Um, There definitely was times, but I I think a lot of the times were because of my situation. So if I I may just quickly give you um, a brief summary of my situation. When I decided to go, I'm, I'm the kind of person, if I get an idea, Rob, if you give me a good idea today, I'm doing it tomorrow. And I, I kind of just jump out of the plane, if that makes sense. So whereas my wife, she's very pragmatic. She likes systems in place. She likes to make sure everything's safe. So when I first jumped out and just thought, do you know what? I'm going to go into property. And I had this desire that I will make it work irrespective of what happens to me. And a lot has happened to me. So when I jumped, my wife was in employment and I Given the fact that I had met her when I had this really cushy job in London previously, and then I thought, forget that, I'm going to become a student as a social worker. So she supported me through that. And then three months into a social work job, I thought, sunk cost fallacy, I'm not going to do this. So I jumped out of that. So she's seen a guy who's very erratic and just jumping from ship to ship to try and find his way through life. There were moments when I had started this journey, and especially when the refurbs were messing up or the builder was letting me down, that I used to sleep at night and sometimes I couldn't sleep. And... I always had this thing. So what I would do is I would sleep later than her and I would wake up earlier than her just to show her that I was working and I was trying. And maybe this is an ego thing or maybe this was a male thing because I felt like I should be providing here. And I was thinking, you know, if I made that £22,000 and then done it again, I would have bought something into the household, for example. Um, and not to get too much in the situation. I mean, I, I did bring something into the, the household in terms of like the house that we were living in. But a lot of the nights and a lot of the mental stress I had was feeling inadequate and feeling like like I wasn't a man of the relationship. So obviously everyone's circumstances are different. Not everyone's married. Not everyone's in a relationship. So I would say be mindful of who else you're affecting because as much as she never showed it and bless her, she's like my you know number one support. And without her, I wouldn't be where I am today. She never, ever showed the strain that it took on her. But I'm very confident that it took a strain on her. And because she never showed that it allowed me to keep going and I always felt that you know at the end of the day 
money's money, but the support of somebody who loves you and truly believes in your dreams and wants to see you do well, that means more than anything in the world. So that would always light me up. So I'd have those moments where I feel sorry for myself. I'd always acknowledge them. I think it's important that if we go through that stage, we should acknowledge our, you know, our down thoughts. But then we need to almost put a stop loss on it. We need to say, okay, I'm going to feel down, but 10 minutes, mate, that's all you're having. And then you need to fix up and you need to think of a solution because you need to get yourself out of this mess. Um, so I always did that. But another thing just to quickly add to that is loneliness really kicked in very quickly so i'm an introvert by nature i get a lot of my energy by by myself i don't like networking events i hardly go to networking events um even like on courses and stuff i'm, I'm very reserved it was good that i had you um close on one of the things because we, we we had a discussion and you were quite easy to talk to but generally i'm quite a shy person and loneliness in this game is tough because it's brilliant when you go to a course or you go to a networking event and everyone's, you know, cheering and high-fiving each other and stuff. But then what happens is it's those hours away when you're sitting on right move or you, you're putting in offers and your, your brain's playing with you and thinking, am I capable? Am I able to do this? That's where the real battles are. And one of the things that I, I think in hindsight I should have done is probably go out a little bit more and connect with more people. But again, I just wasn't in that frame of mind. I was doing everything by myself. So loneliness is definitely something that, it probably occurs across a lot of entrepreneurial uh, jobs, but especially in property, just be mindful that, yes, you see all these networking events and it looks so cushy, but that's like an hour, hour a week max. What about the other 24 hours every single day? That's where it gets tough. So definitely have a good support network. I'm very grateful. You know, my mom's like my best mate. She's always been there. My brother's close. I've, I've got very good friends that I could always call on. But um, yeah, that's probably the, the biggest tolls that I had throughout my journey. And how have you managed to say you're an introvert by nature, but you do a lot of extroverted things, you yeah. know, podcasting, yeah. you know, your social media posting and, and things like that. So how have you how do you keep managing to push yourself or I suppose more poignantly, what are the key lessons that you've learned from your down points, shall we say? Mm. And, you know, how have those lessons then impacted you moving forward? Yeah, so it's interesting. So a lot of people say how you're an introvert when you've got a YouTube channel or you're doing X, Y, and Z. And I think recently I, I posted a video about six months ago where it was a, it was a video it, and it took me something like 47 attempts or something. I can't remember. And nobody nobody sees that side of it. They they see the the, the finished article, so they don't realise that it takes me six hours to do a three minute YouTube video. But like like we spoke about earlier, you know when you just feel like you should be doing something more and you you have a message or you have something that will hopefully touch and inspire people's lives i feel like it's almost my duty the problem is i don't feel i'm skilled enough at the minute so then what i do is i try and skill up so what i do is okay youtube i think i have very good fitness and personal training advice i want to put it out there because there's a lot of bs there so I have to kind of see it as a duty and no matter how many tries it takes me, I have to get through it and I just do it. The same with property. I know what it feels like when you when your roof falls down on you, when your builders rip you off, that I need to get something out there so somebody else doesn't take that pain or struggle with that pain. I don't want to see people in pain. I hate that. I have this thing that now I call it a gift um and it's probably part of my anxiety, I'm not sure, is where I can feel like empathy. Like if somebody cries next to me, mate, I'm in like... I'm crying or if someone's happy next to me I get like emotional it's, it's really weird and I always grew up thinking this is pretty strange especially for a grown guy to be like this but then I realized actually why don't I use that as a gift and that's allowed me to connect with people on like the podcast and stuff 
Um, so yeah, I, I, I am a complete introvert and if I could just, if you give me the ideal day, I'd probably be by myself and that's where I get my energy, my creative juices. But at the same time, I want to inspire people to not be afraid of challenges, to not let an excuse stop them from achieving their life. So at the same time, I have to practice what I preach. So recently, I've, I think at the start of this year, I, I enrolled myself into Toastmasters because I thought I can't just be, you know, screaming, find your voice to every single person who listens. And then I'm just sitting behind a laptop writing posts, um, if that makes sense. So what I do is I say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to go there. And it's a couple of people in the community who actually go with me. They can testify to this. I froze on like my first two or three um, speeches like I actually froze and I was like, I don't know what to say. And I got really shy and then I started sweating and I walked off stage. And people don't see that. But then three weeks later, I won the best speech award. And people only see that and they think, oh, you, it's all right for you. You're confident. I'm like, <laughs> you, you have no idea. But what I will do is not allow myself to have any excuses. Um, and anytime there is something that happens, i.e. like a down point, for example, I will try and find a, a message from it. Because I believe unless I'm dead, there's always a valuable lesson from it. You know, I've seen people die and they don't get a second chance. I have a second chance every single day I'm awake. That's brilliant, man, and that's I th- that resonates not just with you know myself, um, surely with everyone listening as well. And mm. kudos, you're an introvert, I'm an introvert, so it's kudos that we're doing this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Yeah, you're doing amazing. <laughs> you know, we're, we're both we're both doing great in our own rights, and I suppose mm. in the day, it's not. You know, do you find that a lot of reasons why people might shoot themselves in the foot or beat themselves up is because they're consistently comparing themselves to other people and that can have mm. such a negative effect mm. um do you, have you ever been in that situation where you've done that and then it's mm. had an adverse effect and increased your anxiety levels absolutely mate you, you know we, we all know the quote comparison is a thief of joy um i i'm not gonna say i've never done it but i probably have i've probably gone on instagram and seen something i'm like oh, bloody hell you know why, why isn't my life like that but genuinely speaking like i do a lot of stuff like behind closed doors that fulfill me and make me happy so what i what i do is i always do stuff for what i want to do so i always kind of spread my message irrespective of what what's going on and i've always been authentic and what i found from that whether it's three people whether it's one person people resonate with it so so in my head it's like just keep keep doing you keep doing you because one day hopefully on a, on a bigger scale that, that will resonate so i don't really compare with people because i know who i am i know who i'm not so i'm never there trying to say hey guys i'm the next best public speaker in the world i'm absolutely not and and to be honest it doesn't really excite me whether it will in three or four years time who knows but what i will do is draw on my strengths and also try and enhance my weaknesses to relate to people who maybe have similar weaknesses um comparison is it's a dangerous game mate and I don't know what it is, but we always feel like the grass is greener on the other side. And the more people I speak to, and I'm very, very fortunate, even yourself, who's come on my show as well, where you where you dive into somebody's life and you realize, well, actually, mate, you've been through a lot or you've actually experienced so much stuff that nobody would know that you realize that nobody has this perfect life. And when you when you become more self-aware of that, you actually start to appreciate your own life and take lessons from it. So I I definitely urge people not to compare i can't say i've never done it i probably have uh, in the past but generally speaking even now i mean i've come away from the whole facebook community bubbles and stuff because i just i it, to me mate it's like a it's like a soap opera there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes there's a lot of fakeness there's a lot of people saying the right key buzzwords and 
it kind of grinds my gears. So I just literally, I've, I've snoozed about 30 people in the last few days. But what I do now is just, if I want to spread a message, I'll send it out there and then I turn my phone off. I'm not fixated on likes. I, I used to write posts and I used to get quite a lot of traction in communities and people were like, this is amazing. I was like, is it like, I'm not doing it for the likes. So then what I would do is I'd release a post at a random time just to prove I don't give a shit if I'm going to get likes or not. So if you go to my last 10, 15 posts, they released at times where people are probably on the way to work. So they're not going to look at Facebook and I'll get three or four likes. That doesn't bother me because the value is still there. If somebody finds value in what I say, they can always find my material and learn from it. And I'm, I'm not, I'm never going to attach my self worth to what somebody else is doing or the amount of superficial likes or superficial followers that a lot of people seem to be getting in the world. So I really tell people to try and become more self-aware and try and understand what actually makes them happy because looking at what somebody else might have might not actually be what you want. So I can look at someone and think that's a beautiful house. That's a beautiful car. I, I visited a friend yesterday, actually, who had an absolutely beautiful house, Mike. And uh, I was like, mate, your house is beautiful. But I never come home and thought I need a house like this because I've lived in a smaller house. I've lived in one bedrooms and I'm like, I'm happy. Like a house doesn't actually make me happy. What makes me happy is my thoughts and my how I feel about myself and am I being congruent to who, you know, the person I say to the world I am, am I doing that myself? So hopefully that kind of answers the question. It really does. And and again, it's what's crucial with that, Aaron, is we're, we're touching on to, to an extent, I suppose the underlying things we explored in the first part when we were talking mm. property is, is be yourself. Mm. But with this aspect, again, the underlying thing here is two things. Number one, be yourself. Mm-hmm. But number two, have a set of values. Because if you've got a set of values, mm. then you can really, really get in tune with who you are. Mm. Do, you, do you see how that kind of then, then you put in? You're basically you're then doing two and two, and you're getting four rather mm. than adding two and two and getting like ninety eight point two. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's mm. that's important there. Mm. You, you see, you've you've hit the nail on the head, and I'm, I'm sure people will be able to resonate with this 100%. Mm. Can I just add to that, Rob, as well? Cool. There's not, There's nothing wrong if nobody knows the answer to that. And I'll be completely transparent again, uh, as I always try to be. About five or six years ago on my personal development journey, somebody actually asked me in a course, write down your values and your ethics. And I had no idea what they were talking about. And that might make me sound really stupid. But again, you know, you live and learn. You don't know what you don't know. And when, when I sat there, I was like, what the hell are you talking about values and ethics? Like, nobody's ever told me that. I mean, we don't go through school and our teacher doesn't sit down with us and say, what are your values and ethics? Let me find a career that is suitable for you. It's more based on, okay, with these grades, you can get X, Y, and Z. And it was only when I really did that and I thought, okay, that's interesting. This is this is the person that I am. This is actually me, like 100% authentically me. I need to now find a place in this world or a community in this world or a vocation or a hobby or whatever it is that aligns to that. So that's kind of where I am. I mean, I, I went into sales for a bit and I'm sure you can be ethical and you can be great in sales. But I was that probably the worst salesman because what I used to do is tell people to buy the cheaper stuff where I'd get less commission because I knew it was a better product. And I was like, I, I can't I can't sit there and make someone buy something more just because it's going to fill my pocket, if that makes sense. So I, I used to get in trouble by the managers all the time. And I, I was at Comet and Curry's and PC and I didn't last very long um, because, again, I was I was poor at it. But. Again, I know that's one of my shortcomings and it's something that I'm working on. And you touched on it actually brilliantly. I'm not sure if it was my podcast or yours where you said that you can still be authentic and you can still add value, but you can still monetize that as well. And I think that's kind of my next journey, if that makes sense. Yeah, don't get me wrong. The money's a 
money's a fantastic byproduct, and we always say, I mean, you and I are definitely singing from the same hymn sheet, mm. you know, as well. You know, we've got you know, property nomads, we've got a bunch of services, you know, we've got some fantastic things that we do, you know, month to month mentoring, mm-hmm. two day intensive strategy um, session, four hour strategy session, mm-hmm. orientation days, you know, property sourcing, all these sort of things. And if you're able to add value to people and you're able to, you know, just add value and be congruent with that, be authentic, be mm. yourself. People can people can easily see through bullshit. Mm. Easily, 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 easily. Mm. So as long as you're being yourself and as long as people respect who you are and mm. you're able to add value, you know, there is no harm in monetizing that because mm-hmm. the money is a great byproduct and then you can go and do X, Y, Z of it. But for some people, you know, their their lives don't revolve around money. I think if I was working that job that you're saying in comment, I'd be doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd like sleeping at night. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. We're exactly the same. Yeah, too too true. Well, I'm not. This has been it's been wonderful. It's been a shame to um, yeah, we could go for on for hours. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say. But a couple of quick fire questions at the end and. Yeah. Hold my hands up now. I didn't write these questions. They're not, they're <laughs> okay. not the, I've accumulated them from listening to so many other different podcasts mm. and whatnot, but uh, they normally present the best answers. So okay. far away with a couple. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Mm. I think it is be yourself, literally. And that's always come from my mom. So, yeah, I'd say be yourself. Moving forward, if someone was in limbo about making a decision and you could give them one piece of advice, what would that one piece of advice be? It would be to have a look at somebody who's done it and mirror them, basically, or follow their steps. I think everyone has a blueprint and most likely what we want to do or what we want to achieve in life, somebody's already done it. And that should just give you the confidence right there and then that you're more than capable of doing it as well. Perfect. And finally, to wrap it up, mm-hmm. what would you say that the best investment of £100 or less has been that you've made in the last 12 months? This goes back to probably my story, and it's only because it's just come in my head that we spoke about on my podcast, the uh, extra £5 tip that I gave. Uh, you might you as well elaborate. Yeah, absolutely. Elaborate, yeah. elaborate on that for those. But Sorry, go, mate. By the way, go yeah. and check out the episode on Find Your Voice for yeah, myself absolutely. on it as well. But yeah, just for the purpose of the, uh, the Property Nomads podcast, do elaborate it's a great story. Absolutely. So, yeah, sorry you're going to have to hear it twice. But yeah, we, we, me and Rob were just talking about obviously travelling and how it opens up our eyes. We become less closed-minded and we just see like the beauty in the world. And me and the wife, we were travelling back end of last year and I just went for a haircut and I thought I'm gonna get my beard done as well so it's very difficult to get get that done where I go uh, back home so this guy had spent about an hour doing my hair bless him and we were having this kind of broken English conversation he was a really nice guy and I think it was about five pounds it was going to cost for the whole hour and he really did look after me and tried to make me look as pretty as possible um, I'm sure he had a job with that. That's probably why it took him an hour. So at the end of it, I pulled out and I normally just always tip people, as I'm sure many of you do. And I thought, OK, I'll just give him double. So I think it works out or equates to about £10, so about £5 tip. And as I handed it him over, he kind of stopped me and he went to the back and he called his wife out, who was pregnant at the time, bless her. So she got her out of bed or wherever she was and he's showing her the money and then he kind of 
gestures to me, I'm going to put this in this piggy bank. And he, and he, and then he kind of points at his wife's belly and he says, this is for the little baby. And we had this really like surreal moment. Now I've told you earlier, I'm quite an emotional person. We'll be just kind of embracing each other and, you know, getting a bit emotional and stuff. And I was just like, wow. And the reason I tell that story is not the fact that, oh, look at me, I've just tipped someone and I've, I've potentially changed his life. It's not not even about that. Yes, that might have helped him and it might have given him a few extra weeks worth of uh, money. But that changed me. That massively changed my thing in terms of the stuff that we take for granted or the stuff that we think is important in life. And I came back with like probably the best lesson ever. And it didn't even cost £100, Rob. It cost me £5. That's that's awesome. Um that is that's fantastic to hear even to hear it again that's <laughs> that is that is wonderful because that's that can have such a profound impact on obviously not just the barber there but obviously you know his family and, and also yourself absolutely mate absolutely well aaron it's been a joy and a pleasure mm-hmm. it's been an absolute privilege if people want to find out more about you how do mm-hmm. people get in contact with you Yep. So the best two places is probably I've got my own website, AaronDew.com. But I would really urge people um, to just check out the podcast again, like like yourself. Your podcast is fantastic. I do feel that it can help people, sincerely help people. Again, if there's any feedback or recommendations, I'm always happy to improve. I want to try and make this the best uh, resource out there. It's called Find Your Voice podcast.com and it's available on everything as well and that's a passion project again it's not monetized or anything it's just literally to spread awareness and try and help people kind of come out the bubble and really try and find their voice in life so thank you rob um thank you and as ever we will put the links on the show notes as well go and check out find your voice absolutely fantastic Mm -hmm. to listen to aaron thank you very much for your time thank you for sharing your top tips Mm -hmm. on raising finance your property horror stories mm-hmm. and the mental aspect and you know, for everyone listening until next time take care and just be yourself you're very welcome rob thank you so much for having me